What's up, Sapsenke family? Welcome back to the show where we go from struggle to flow every day, every week. That's what we do based on how we speak, how we talk, how we think. That is our job in all parts of our life, business and relationships. What is the volume of your value? How much value do you deliver by minute? Since childhood, since our early, early schooling, a lot of our assignments were based on the amount of words. Write a thousand words on this topic and bring it in. This created an incentive-caused bias. It caused us to be full of fluff, so we can fill up the words and fill up the pages. It caused us to stretch everything that we are trying to say and rehash it and reverberate it and regurgitate it and repeat it over and over again to just hit the mark of a certain amount of words. It's an incentive caused bias. We should instead be judged for the value per page, the value per word. The person with the most concise paper, regardless of how many words, but getting to the point and hitting a qualitative measure would be a better goal to hit. I learned this lesson, obviously through my schooling, but not knowing that it was right or wrong. Just you have to appease your teachers and I didn't really write many papers, but when I did write papers... I always found myself struggling to make it five pages at 12 font. Why do I have to do that? Is it not enough that I put three pages with really intentional words together and I think I'm done with the point I'm trying to make? It doesn't have to be out of laziness that I don't hit the five five pages. Where do we get this certain amount of length to fit? It's just to make people work. It's just to make it look like you're doing an assignment just for the, for the purpose of doing the assignment. And I learned this lesson in my professional career. When I was a regional manager amongst, we were six regional managers throughout the country and we would meet every quarter and do presentations, quarterly reviews of how our quarter went and what our plans were for the future quarter. And in the beginning, I think it was our first or second regional manager meeting, quarterly meeting, The VP of our department used to sit into our meetings and her counterpart in a similar department that still interacted with our team decided to sit into the meeting with us because he was going and we didn't notice at the time he was going to replace our manager and, and it just created a space for him to have more involvement with our team because he was going to try to understand what kind of team we have, what direction we need to go to, to look for the replacement of our current manager. So he sat into our meeting and this tendency to fluff came up in almost all of our presentations. And this is not a guy that has a lot of tact. So he let us know. He let the regional managers know, you guys are trying to make this sound better than it is by talking too much. Tell me all of what you just said back in one sentence. 
And in his non-tactful way, the point that he was trying to get across is executives, because there will be a time in the future when we will speak in front of the executives, the president of the company, the CEO. And for that, all this fluff would be a waste of their time. All this fluff would almost be disrespectful to their time and not be impactful in what they're trying to get out of it. And it would create a bad impression on him in what passed as work, what passed as a good quarterly recap. The point is the executives only need to know a few things. Like in sales, you only need to have an elevator speech. If you can't deliver your product within an elevator ride, you don't know your product well enough. Who it's for, what's it trying to solve, what's it going to take to solve it. If you can't have those main points in your sales pitch or main points for a status update for an executive to make a decision, then you're failing on what your presentation is trying to deliver. Many of us think that the more we talk, the smarter we sound and the less they will notice the value of each word or get hung up on the small mistakes that we make. So we mask our lack of confidence with talking more. The one who talks the least holds the power. Always in a sales presentation, a sales call, the one who talks the least holds the power. There is a supply and demand for your words. Your intent to talk more to mask your flaws works against your entire body of work. As it turns into noise, imagine an executive sitting in the room listening to you ramble on. What do I need to know? It turns into noise, making the listener that you have on the other end burn brain calories to sift through and find the main points and the action items and all the things that you're saying. So when you offer value, when you share things through a specific medium like this, speech, or the written word, or video, or any presentation, in respect to your audience, you have to ask yourself, is it jam-packed with effort to drive home each sentence? Do you strive to add as much gold in each word intently? This isn't about trying to control the outcome. What hits home for one person may not for another. This is about intent. It is about considering this while creating or expressing so you can maximize your impact. I saw this amazing meme earlier that said, that related to this. We measure ourselves through vanity metrics, reach, likes, impressions, comments. And sure, that is absolutely some indication of something. It's some success. It isn't, however, an indication of your impact. That is hard to measure the outcome of. But the point is not to get deluded by the vanity and soften your striving for impact. It isn't about how many eyes you reach. It's about how much you reach for the heart of each. How much impact that is created with each word that you spew. That is the real impact. Obviously, the creator of this meme can successfully attribute his effort to creating this meme with the impact it had on me and even a glance of viewing it. So you can't repeat yourself in trying to make your presentation. 
many people can be verbose and speak at length and hope one of their words in the rambling hits on the mark that they are trying to target in speech. Very few people can concisely, succinctly, and precisely explain something, get to the heart of the matter, and leave you with enough impact in a simple sentence that it takes you a while to process. Poetry has an uncanny way of doing this. The greatest philosophers and all the intellectuals have a way of doing this. You are competing with shrinking attention spans and everything else grasping for focus. All of our mediums are now 10 seconds or less, 140 characters or less. The point is, each word matters. And why does it matter? Because the same way the value of a dollar is in how far you stretch it, meaning how much can you get out of each dollar, the same as the value of time. It is how much you can make each minute stretch. There's this Parkinson's law, and I've talked about this on a previous podcast, work expands, your work expands to fill the time available for its completion. Meaning if you give yourself one hour to do something, you will take one hour. But if you give yourself 30 minutes, you will get a lot more done in 30 minutes than if that 30 minutes was just, was just halfway through that one hour that you gave yourself. We're too easy on ourselves and don't manage the volume of value we build into each moment. And you only manage what you measure. If you measure your value per minute, you will get more out of each minute. Ask a New Yorker what a minute means to them. How much a life moves and changes and oscillates within a minute. A New York minute. It's all up to you measuring your value by minute so you can determine your volume of value. How much time do you actually spend working? Are you really working? Do you know this for sure? Do you track your time? I'd be willing to bet you don't get more than three hours of real work done in a day. I would put a bet on that. I would accept any arguing of this if you really tracked your time. Most of us don't use our calendar or schedule or understand our time blocks as intimately as we should. So it matters. So how do you increase your VPM? How do you increase your value per minute? Learn more so you can draw on multiple facets of historical understanding to broaden your perspective. Or at least to present different ones. It is ultimately being able to stack skills, stack modalities and understandings from multiple disciplines that leads to profound perspectives. Who is more humble? Let's ask ourselves, who is really more humble? The guy who reads a book a week or the guy who reads a book a month? or a book a year. It's the one who thinks he knows less. A lot of us are outwardly humble. A lot of us say, yeah, yeah, no, when I walk into a room, I'm humble. I, I carry myself a certain type of way. But many of us are inwardly cocky. We don't learn and listen the way that we can. So we fail and miss out on the depth that it can add to us. Michael Jordan, there's a story of Michael Jordan being 
completely cocky up front. If you if you met the guy and his confidence that he had, you would think that he's cocky. But he's known to be the most humble listener and apply the advice from everyone. That's what his coaches would tell you about him. Because he's willing to learn every day. So who's more humble? The guy who thinks he knows more or the guy who thinks he knows less? The guy who's constantly seeking to learn or the guy who's overconfident in what he already knows? You increase your value per minute when you add all these horizons to your understanding. So then when you open your mouth, when you, make, when you have a presentation, when you try to teach somebody something, you can draw on all this historical understanding and you don't have to speak at length to get your point across. There is no escaping doing the internal work to increase your value per minute, to increase the volume of your value. Reflect deeply on the things you stand for so when you share them, it can be felt that you live by them as opposed to just teaching them from a distance. You can tell the difference in conviction between a person who lives their lessons and those who just preach it. They say those who can't teach, but those who can teach better. So be the can. Be the practitioner of everything you preach. So it adds depth to your perspective not otherwise available to the casual delver. You have to play with the ideas to develop them past your initial understanding. Sure, you can regurgitate anything. I can pick up a book today and repeat the words that I heard or learned or read. But only when I sit with those words, only when I let them have an internal shift, only when I grapple with them, in the context of my own life and how to apply them to my own unique circumstances. Only out of that battle do you produce novel thought, novel understanding. In the attempt to take what you have learned at face value and take it one step further, not many things are applicable or hit home at face value. If they did, they would all have lasting impact. The first time you read something, It would change you and that's it. You never need to revisit it. But how many great quotes and great readings have you heard in life? And how many of them do you actually live by? When I lived in California, I had a wall of quotes in my last apartment. And one time, one of my friends asked me out of these 50 quotes, which one was my favorite? And my answer in pointing to the one That supersedes them all, in my opinion. The best quote is the one you apply. And to apply something, you can't just take the square peg of someone's deep understanding that led them to even come up with that quote. For that to shave into the crevices of your life, in the context of your existence, is necessary to sit and fight with the quote. Think about it. Think about all the opposing criteria. 
all the contradictory learnings and quotes that you have learned that you have to now reconcile it with. Because there's plenty. That's what a school of thought is about. And somehow you have to reconcile that, adapt it, accommodate it, and conform it in a sense to the very specific factors, faculties, and facets of your life or how it aligns and d- or does not align with your goals. Be careful not to throw out any ideas because they make you feel bad. A lot of quotes, a lot of things that we read, many times grappling with new ideas pierces us as it makes us question if we've been living properly. It brings up internal fears that we tend to mask with distractions or drugs or denial. So many times I recommended a book to friends of mine who start reading it and tell me that it's giving them anxiety. I can't read it anymore. When it's the things in it are so real that they don't want to take that hard look at themselves. Because the quote, the book, the reading may impart a lesson that points to our misgivings or failure to live in accordance to it. In accordance to the greats, it points to that gap. Because those quotes have built in a lesson that stood the test of time. And it can be assumed that it encompasses some logos, some axiomatic extrapolated lesson of being across time with multiple examples. The hero of heroes, for example. Qualities that you cannot debate. The qualities taken from multiple heroes across time applied would point to the hero of all heroes. The one that somehow integrates the qualities of all across time and sits at the top of the hierarchy of all heroes, the logos. Those things will pierce you because they make you take a hard look at the gap between that hero and you. But be careful not to throw out those ideas just because they make you feel bad. Because they point to such a large delta from where you are and where you need to go to size up to this lesson. It is the mark of a wise man to entertain ideas without accepting them. You have to entertain them. The quote doesn't have to fit. I'm not saying the books that I recommend absolutely have to help the person. Nor do they have to serve you. It's not a given. It may contradict other things that you believe. But you have to do the grappling work. And fight with the idea even to come to a conclusive end like that. How do you know if everything you've been doing isn't completely wrong? And what this new piercing understanding is trying to point to is actually more likely to have a favorable consequence if you accepted it and fit it into the understanding of your life. Only once you have done this prerequisite work does the quote breathe. Do the words live inside of you and you radiate, emanate its wisdom. Only then can you share it. Only then do you exude its meaning. Only then, when you speak about it, every word is packed with intent. And that is when your value per minute goes up.
you have to battle with the subject. You have to become an expert at a subject when you deliver it. You have to strive for it at least. Or we can feel the fluff. And your audience, the executives, your customers, your clients, even your family, they all deserve the highest level of quality time with you. Of course, that's different for everyone, what they consider quality. But ask yourself, are you of service to the deepest desires of your audience? Are you aware and delivering on the language that your audience speaks with the tonality and the context that they can appreciate? The experience that you provide should be worth paying for. High quality and engaged and attuned to their needs. Every interaction is an opportunity to buy goodwill with someone. Especially when you waste less and less of their time and add more and more value with each minute they spend with you. The person who provides the most value per minute is the one you want to be around, no? How enjoyable are the relationships where you don't get much out of each other? When you don't feel entertained or excited to be in the presence of someone because there isn't a mutual exchange, how much time do you want to spend around that person again in the future? We all have a desired experience, a color on the beach ball we all live in. And it is those who understand where the other person lives and what color their world is surrounded by can communicate effectively. Only that person. You have to speak pragmatically to a pragmatic person. You speak to firstborns differently than you speak to secondborns. You speak to kids differently than you speak to your managers. All of this takes careful consideration, and it should be driven by trying to deliver as much value per allotted minute as possible. You obviously don't have all day to spend with your kids, nor your managers, nor would you even want that. The goal is to have as much efficiency in each interaction as possible to deliver, for example, 45 minutes of experience in 30 a lifetime of love in the short two hours you get to spend with your kids each night. Boundless impact in the season someone is in your life. Maximize utility under constraints of someone's time and attention. We don't know how much time we have. Managing the volume of your value also asks you to respect your own value per minute. Be mindful of your own time. Bob Proctor talks about this analogy of an hourglass. The bottom of the hourglass where the sand collects is our past. The top is the future. All the time we have left. Except we don't know how much time we have left, so it's hidden. He tells a story of his 60-year-old grandmother who always said, oh, I could be gone any day, I could be gone any day. Who lived another 34 years until she was 94. And he tells the story in contrast to his 16-year-old friend from high school who got his license, got a brand new car, and on the same day, that car took his life in a fatal car accident. None of us know how much time we have. All we have is now. All we have is the time passing through the middle of the hourglass, the sifting sand. It is your job to get intentional about 
how your time is spent. Don't wait until you're much older to go after the things that you can have sooner. You want to have the time to enjoy the fruits of your labor. And who's to say how much time we do have? So squeeze out the value by the minute. Minimize the fluff. Lots of love, my family. In taking my own advice, I can continue at length on this topic without adding much incremental value. Every word before this was carefully considered and waste eliminated because I respect your time and I thank you for spending it with me. May each one of your words hold more weight than the last. May each passing minute mean more than the past. I'll see you in the next one.